Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Uh, about two months ago, coming into, well, it's longer than that. Man, COVID days are weird, aren't they? Uh, it's like, what day is it? I think it's Sunday. I'm on stage. Um, I started praying at the end of March and in April. It's just kind of, I just was like, man, Lord, it just seems like something else is going on behind the scenes and I can't really put my finger on it and COVID-19 and this and that and all the things that are going on and, and like those things are real, but I feel like, I feel like the enemy's doing something more. I feel like, I feel like the deceiver is moving some pieces and I can't put my finger on it. And what I really believe the Lord began to show me is that, that what the enemy has been trying to do is to try to get us as believers, as sons and daughters of the Most High God, which means we're brothers and sisters, to get into a place of offense in our hearts. And we're not supposed to handle things like the world does. And I think that sometimes we fumble that one. We don't mean to, but I mean, we get on social media and on the 1,400 different news channels and all of that, and either... A couple of things happen. We begin to view everybody out there like we view each other, and so we kind of forget the rules, so to speak. Or we forget that we're sons and daughters of the Most High God because we get so wrapped up in what's going on out there that we forget that how, it's, how the world is unraveling out there is not what it should look like between us. We're supposed to handle things differently. And so then we read in the Bible, and, and then we can do the same thing. We can make the same mistake. We read something in the Bible, and we're like, well, how come the world's not like that? Well, because it's not theirs. It's ours. The Bible's for us. And so we're the ones that are called to live by the game plan that we see in it. We shouldn't be surprised when folks that don't know Jesus act like they don't know Jesus. Uh, I'm just saying, you know? Uh, and so it's our job to act differently than they do, to apply what we learn in the Bible so that then we can make a difference out there and then they begin to look different because we begin to introduce them to Jesus. But if we don't keep that as the filter of our eyes, if we don't keep that as our primary goal, then it gets askew. And so what I want to jump into today, uh, I've titled my message, Offense. It's a trap. Offense. It's a trap. Get it? Offense. Offense. It's pretty slick, wasn't it? Pastor Dave and Pastor Cody can sing and preach. I can build fences and preach. So Luke 17, 1 through 5. Luke 17, 1 through 5 is where we're going to start. Then he said to the disciples, this is Jesus, by the way, it's impossible, that's a big word, impossible, that no offenses should come. But woe to him through whom they do come. It'd be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. If you look over in the book of Matthew, you see that he had a bunch of little kids around him. And yes, he was talking about kiddos, but bigger picture than that, he was talking about new converts, new people to the faith. He was saying, listen, these are youngsters in the faith, so make sure that you're not offensive to them. Protect them. So take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. That doesn't mean scream and yell at him at the top of your lungs. It literally means just go have a real conversation. Sit down and go, hey man, we need to talk about this. And if he repents, forgive him. 
And if he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, then you shall forgive him. <laughs> Catch this. And the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. <laughs> you mean seven times in a day? Jesus. Help us with our faith. Man. And he's talking to his disciples. We have to keep that as the point of reference. He's saying, man, y'all are my kids. You need to know something. Offenses are going to come. It's all about what you do with them and how you handle them. Don't handle them like the world comes. And by the way, if you're just an offensive individual and you know Christ, you probably ought to stop. I don't know how well you can hold your breath, but that says there's a big rock you're going to be in the bottom of the ocean. I'm just saying. I didn't say it. It's in there. Uh, maybe you're good with that. And he said, plenty of offensive things are going to happen. There's going to be plenty of opportunity to be offended. COVID-19. Masks. No masks. High fives. No high fives. Temperature checks. No temperature checks. Social distancing. No social distancing. Plenty of opportunity to be offended. How about this one? Black Lives Matter. All lives matter. Police officer lives matter. Plenty of opportunity to be offended. How about in your own home? You know, you, on the day that you got married, you looked at that amazing spouse of yours and just said, Lord Jesus, if I could just spend all day, every day, 365, 24, 7, holding their hands and kissing the lips off their face, you got your desire. And it turned into... Man, now we're having to share this same workspace at the kitchen table. Why is her coffee on my paper? And I don't know why he thinks that he's the one that has to use the laptop and not the tablet. I'm the one that has to fill in reports. And why can't he turn his music down? That's great. He loves Skillet. It's messing with me trying to fill out a report. I'm offended. Plenty of opportunity to be offended. And we're called to handle it differently, sitting in, in the notes. But Galatians 5, and 23 talks about the fruit of the Spirit. In those things, there's some really powerful things like love, joy, peace, goodness, kindness, gentleness. And then there's this other one called self-control. You only have access to those if you're a Christian, by the way, because they're the fruit of the Spirit. That's how we have to handle those things so that we don't end up in an offense. But let's look at the word offense. Let's look at the word offense. I put the Greek meaning up there on the screen. Uh, New Testament written in Greek, Old Testament written in Hebrew. Uh, the reason that I go back to those sometimes isn't because our translations are broken, okay? I know there's 952,753 million of them. And it's not that there's anything wrong with the translation. All the translations, well, I shouldn't say that. Almost all of the translations are, are solid. Really all they're trying to do is they're trying to take the original Hebrew, the original Greek, and make it uh, 
makes sense. They're trying to get the point across of what it was saying. And here's why that's hard for us in our culture. It's not the translation's fault. It's our fault. Because I will say, I love you, Lord. I love you, my wife. I love you, my daughter. I love my grandson. And then I'll turn right around and go, I love some Whataburger French fries. You see how I made the word cheap? Well, that didn't happen in the Greek and the Hebrew, and so that's why there's so many translations. Because it's like, okay, what is the word that I should use to get the point across? Because some people are going to see, I love you, Lord, but some people are going to see, I love Whataburger French fries. So that's what's up. This is the word offense in the Greek. There's a number out beside it, 4625. That is called a Strong's number. There's this book. It's like Merriam-Webster for Bible words. It's called a Strong's. And since it's got Greek and Hebrew words in it, it's real hard to alphabetize unless you read Greek and Hebrew. So they gave you numbers to look those things up. It's really cool. You should Google Strong's, not now because I'm preaching, but when you get home and you'll see what I'm talking about. And the Greek word for this word offense is this word scandalon. And here's the definition. Properly, the trigger of a trap. The mechanism closing a trap down on the unsuspecting victim, figuratively an offense. Putting a negative cause and effect relationship into motion. Putting a negative cause and effect relationship into motion. And that's our enemy that's trying to do that. And he's been watching humanity for thousands of years he knows what to whisper and when to whisper it, okay? And all he's trying to do is to get you to step right there in the middle of the trap of offense so that you get stuck. And so he uses some really good bait because he understands human culture. And I think that what we see on social media and on the news right now proves that he's figured out the bait. But that bait shouldn't impact us as sons and daughters of the Most High God. We should never take the bait. And I would say that probably his biggest, I, I think that offense thing is his biggest tool. I really do. And we're going to see why here in just a second. Uh, I had my wife and Miss Carmelita. Yeah, T-Rex, would you come back up here, big guy? Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. You good, babe? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Microphone's on, sorry. I th <laughs> yes, you're good, you're there. You know where you're going. Thank y'all, by the way. I'm just, let me just tell you now, everything that's fixing to happen up here is fictitious, so don't get offended, okay? <laughs> I mean that. <laughs> so, man, what about COVID? What about these masks? I mean, God gave me such a big old fat double XL head, I can't even put one on without a breaking. I mean, it hurts my ears to have this stinking mask on. And I see my sister, Carmelita, wear your mask, save people's lives. I, what about me? What about my ears? I mean, all gone. It hurts for me to wear a mask, and it's hard for me to breathe. Doesn't she know that one of my lungs has a disorder in it, and so it's already hard for me to breathe? I mean, doesn't she even care about me? What about me? 
I'm offended. But that's okay, because I got my man Tim Rex. I got my man Tim Rex, and man, the other day I was on social media, and I put it out there. I blacked out my screen. I made it clear that black lives matter too. And man, he heart emojied me. Yeah, heart emoji. Man, my cousin who's in law enforcement got spit on today. I think I'm gonna put on here that we need to respect law enforcement and love them, support them too. Post. I bet he thumbs up it. I mean, I see he's online, the little green dots on. Come on, dude. I don't need a heart emoji, man, but can't you thumbs up me? You can't even thumbs up me. You know that I have family in law enforcement. I mean, you know some of my best friends are police officers, and you can't even give me a thumbs up emoji. I see what's up. You don't care about my family. I get it. I think you're calling me a racist. I'm offended. But that's okay, because I got my wife. She would never do anything to offend me. Oh, I love that woman. On my way home, I'm gonna text her, find out what's for dinner. Ooh, turkey and bacon sandwiches. Yes, love those, those are the best. All right, babe, I'm pulling in the driveway. Just go ahead and get mine on out the microwave. Walk in the door, grab my sandwich. Why in the world did you put guacamole on my sandwich? We've been together for 29 years, and you know dang good and well that if it's green and chunky, you don't eat it. Why would you put guacamole on my bacon and turkey sandwich? I have been out here slaving away, having a hard day. Tim called me a racist. Carmelita won't talk to me because I can't wear a mask because my big old fat head. And now you put guacamole on my sandwich after 30 years. Mmm. This is because you had to put the lid down this morning, isn't it? How come you can't ever just pick the lid up for me? I mean, you're in there more than I am. I mean, don't you care about me? Man, let me just get over here, pick up my offense, and I am officially offended. And here I am. Go ahead, guys. Tim, could you help them down, please, big guy? Thank you. And now here I am. I'm stuck. Because offense causes us to get stuck in unforgiveness. They're free to go on about their life. They, truth be told, they probably don't even know that I'm offended because I didn't go have a conversation with any of them. And now here I am. I am trapped and stuck in unforgiveness. And I will never move beyond this point in my life because I am trapped. I am stuck. I have to do something about it. Otherwise, I will never get out of this place. And here's the other thing that happens. Offense obstructs how we see things. Offense obstructs how we see things. I can see. I just can't see clearly. I can't see the whole picture anymore. Because everything that I'm looking at 
has got this offense in the way. And so now every relationship in my life, I begin to view through this filter of offense. It obstructs how I see things. So now, because I said black lives matter too, and I said police lives matter too, if I'm stuck in offense, I can't rectify those two things. I have to pick a side because I'm offended. But truth be told, those two things work hand in hand and they go together as sons and daughters of the Most High God. Black lives do matter too. And police officers should be respected and loved and protected because that's how we should see things as sons and daughters of the Most High God. My, my wife and I should be operating together. I shouldn't be viewing what she did. Guess what? She made 14 sandwiches because my son will eat nine and I'll eat three. I, and man, she, the guacamole got away from her. No big deal. COVID-19. For some folks, it's hit some people one way. It's hit other people another way. And you can say, please wear a mask. And it's okay for you to feel like you don't want to wear a mask. But don't get stuck in a fence. Look at Hebrews 12, 15. It says, see to it that no one falls short of God's grace, that no root of resentment springs up and causes trouble, and by it many are defiled. This says that when I allow resentment, uh, other translations say bitterness, to take root in my heart, that it defiles many. If you go read that whole text, it's talking about relationships. It's saying that when that happens in my heart, it defiles many relationships. If I get stuck in a fence, it filters every single relationship in my life. And then offense isolates us from each other. Offense isolates us from each other. And that's a big one. That's a real big one, as a matter of fact. I believe personally that that's one of the biggest goals of our enemy is to isolate us. Why you ask? Man, y'all ask great questions. <laughs> Psalm 133, one and three. How good and pleasant it is when God's people live together in unity. It's as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion, for there the Lord bestows his blessing, even life forevermore. It says when God's people dwell in unity. Notice it didn't say agree on every single bullet point of every single opinion. It said when they dwell in unity, that God's blessing is bestowed upon that, that unity. I started thinking about something the other day. There have got to be millions of Christians praying for COVID-19 to be eradicated off the face of the earth. I know I am. I know many of you are. What if the only reason it hasn't happened is because we're all hung up in a fence and there's no unity? The blessing of the Most High God hasn't hit it yet because we're too tied up being offended. You know what? I may not like wearing a mask, but if it helps somebody else encounter Christ, I got no problem wearing one. You have your opinion. I'm fine with you having your opinion. It's okay. I can agree, disagree, all of the above, and, we, and I still love you and want to go to lunch with you. All of those things, all of them. What if, 
What if the racial unity and reconciliation that we've been believing for and praying for, what if? What if God's just waiting for us to be in unity? What if he's just waiting for this side and this side to appreciate that as sons and daughters of the Most High God, there are no sides. We're called to walk in life together as one. What if? What if? It's just a thought. And then offense can distance us from God. Notice that I didn't say it can separate us. I want to make a very clear distinction that I said distance. Okay? The second you get saved, nothing can separate you from the love of your Father. Nothing and you're saved. It's that simple. But there can, be see, there can be things that we do that distance us from God. Matthew 5, 21 through 24. You've heard that it was said to the people long ago, you shall not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, that's Greek for cotton-headed ninny-mugging, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, check this out, here comes the distance. Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. That whole fool, raka, cotton-headed, ninny-mugging thing that was talking about between brothers and sisters. And he said, you're trying to bring an offering to the altar. You're trying to come into the presence of God. But you got something going on with your brother or sister. Go take care of that. Just go take care of that. Then come see me. Then come, then come tuck right up here against me. And one of the guys that I listened to said this about three months ago, and I thought it was so powerful. He said, you can be offended and live offended. You just can't live close to God. So what do I do? I found myself stuck in this trap of offense, and I've picked up all of these things that have created offense. Well, sometimes we just have to drop it. Just drop it. Just let it go. And you say, how do I drop it? That's a great question. I would say, for, man, y'all ask great questions. First and foremost, I would say it's easier to just not pick it up. But if you have, if you have, then we're going to look at a few things on how we can just drop it. I'm going to say, first and foremost, we need to have a conversation with God. First and foremost, we need to have a conversation with God. I don't mean to minimize or marginalize what it is that you're going through. But you're angry. Sometimes when we get angry, we don't want to go talk to God. We want to talk at God. I'm angry. Urgh. You need to go talk with him. He already knows you're angry, so it's okay. Just go talk to him. Go have a conversation with him. Sit down with him and let him know what's going on in your heart. Man, Daddy, I'm offended. Man, I'm angry. I, why'd they do me like that? That's not fair. Just talk with him about it. 
And then ask him, I need some help with this. Man, can you start the healing process in here? I'm trying to let it go, but it hurts. I'm mad. Have a conversation with him. And then second, have a conversation with the offender, if possible. Man, if it's somebody and they passed away, that looks a little different. If it's somebody and it's not safe, I'm not asking anybody to go put themselves in abuse and harm's way. But if at all possible, have a conversation. I can sit down with my man, Tim Rex, and go, hey, man, just curious. You know, I posted that one thing, and you're in agreement, and, but you know, my cousin and my friends, and you didn't say anything, and can we talk about that a little bit? I may just find out that he's in total agreement with me. It was just, an, <laughs> it was just a misunderstanding. I may just find out that my wife and I are just fine. She just forgot because she changed 4,700 dirty diapers on my grandson that day. And so guacamole ended up on my sandwich. No big deal. Actually, that's still a big deal. I'm just saying. Um, but have a conversation with the offender if at all possible. Matthew 18:15 says, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you've won them over. Look at what the key is. And it said it in that, our other passage in Luke 17. Go to them. Go to them. Don't blast them on Facebook. God said, go to them. And don't try to find 12 or 15 of your closest buddies and get them on your side so now you can have an offensive line that you're moving through life with trying to decimate someone because they had a different opinion. Go and talk to them. If we would just do that one thing, that one thing, life would change so drastically. And then forgive. We got to forgive. Colossians 3.13, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Hold on to that. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And then Ephesians 4.32, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as in Christ, God forgave you. Forgiveness isn't just a good idea. It's actually a God-given directive for all of us as believers. Again, don't go put yourself in harm's way. You can still forgive. You don't, need to, you don't need to wait for somebody to come to you and say, man, I'm so sorry. Will you forgive me? That's great when that happens. But can I tell you that Jesus went to a cross a couple thousand years before I was even born to forgive me. He wasn't waiting on me to go to him and go, Jesus, will you forgive me for my sins? No, he said, of course, I already did. It's done. And then it said, forgive as God forgave. And so I want to key in on something really quick. Lastly, I'd say we forget. We forget. Now, I've heard it taught, and I have probably said it myself, uh, that you forgive. Sometimes you can't forget, and that's okay. I think I see it different in light of Scripture now. I just have to be real honest with you. I believe that we're called to forget. Look at Hebrews 8.12. For I will forgive their wickedness, and I'll remember their sins no more. Colossians 3 said that we forgive like God forgave. Well, look how he forgave. Says he remembers it no more. First Corinthians 13, verse 5. This is what we call the love chapter. It's how we're supposed to do life together as believers. Love does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps 
no record of wrongs. That's how God forgives, and that's hard. Maybe it's not hard for y'all. I'm probably the only one that that is hard for, is emptying out that folder of, of all the slights that I've held on to, all the offenses, and I, and I hide it really well in the back of the file cabinet of my heart. The rub is, there shouldn't be a filing cabinet. I'm supposed to let it go, just like God did for me. And the only way you can do that is through spending time with your Lord. I'm just going to tell you that now. And you may need to have some of those moments with him. Lord, help me with my faith. This is hard. It hurts. It hurts. But God wouldn't ask you to do something that you couldn't do. It's just that simple. And then we got to protect our hearts. Proverbs 4.23, protect your heart. It says, above all else, guard your heart. For everything you do flows from it. Everything you do flows from it. That doesn't mean never, ever put your heart out there for anyone. Truth be told, if you've said yes to the Lord, then really what he's asking you to do is put your heart out there for people. It's just the truth. Is it going to get hurt? Yep. Are there going to be amazing moments of joy? Yep. But we have to guard it. We can't let bitterness and anger and resentment and offense and all of those things take that place in here. We have to protect it against that because every single thing we do flows from it. Here's another reason that's so important. Uh, I asked a few people if I could share a part of my life because I didn't want it to be offended. I didn't want to hurt anybody. Huh? And they said, yeah, you need to share that. What doesn't get healed gets handed down. What we don't allow God to heal in our lives gets handed down. Let me share a story to help you understand why that's so important. When I was 16, I ended up homeless. Uh, most of it was my own decisions. If mom or dad ever watches this, uh, I made some really silly bad decisions. My family was in an interesting place. Uh, not quite 17 yet. And in that season, uh, I found myself in the Dallas-Fort Worth area where I was a minority and I was homeless. And so I fibbed my way into a job as an apartment maintenance man at an apartment complex uh, where I was the only person of my skin color in that apartment complex. And for the first six months, I got left for dead in a ditch more times than once. And it was made clear that it was because of the color of my skin. And then one evening, when the beatdown was going on, little old gal, she may have been 900 years old, everybody called her mama, she stepped outside and she went, that's enough. That's enough. And she took me inside and she fed me. She said, I've seen you scrounging for food in the dumpsters. Don't you ever go hungry again. You just come see me. And then she marched me over to a guy that we called Big Ed. He was the security guard that would walk the parking lot at night with a shotgun on his shoulder. And he was big. He was about six foot six. Uh, but even if he'd been four foot eight with that shotgun, he would have been Big Ed. <laughs> and she walked me over to him and she said, Big Ed, this is Rob. 
And when Rob needs to go to the store across the street right over there on the corner because he don't have a car, it's on you to get him there and get him back safe. And he said, yes, ma'am. And he honored that. And so then some people there began to view me differently. And life began to change drastically for me there. But I will say this. In my heart, I'm just being honest with you. In my heart, uh, there was more people like those 10 or 12 guys than there was like Mama and Big Ed. My perspective, okay? So I got saved and I brought that into my relationship with the Lord and he said, I gotta deal with that, son. I said, I agree, let's deal with that. So he began to heal my heart and he began to walk me through some things, some forgiveness. And then what he really showed me was is that ultimately, here's what the real truth was, that out of hundreds and hundreds of people that I was doing life with, there was really only 10 or 12 that were making life miserable for me. There was really way more that weren't. And they were trying to help me and protect me because they saw an injustice. If God hadn't healed that in my heart, what would I have handed down to my kids? What would I have handed down to my grandson who calls Aunt Carmelita, Aunt Carmelita? What would I have handed down? Can I share a little bit of our story? Okay. Uh, the devil tried his best to kill this woman, but you can't keep a daughter of the Most High God down. She ended up in the hospital for months. It was just crazy. And God told me, don't you let go of her. What if God wouldn't have healed that in my heart? I wouldn't have my sister. I wouldn't have amazing people in my life like the Taylors. Because God had to heal it in my heart. It doesn't get healed, gets handed down. What if every single shade of skin from the whitest of whites to the darkest of darks, what if the reason we're in the place that we're in today is because some stuff didn't get healed? What if? But you got to drop it and you got to walk out those steps. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas. Or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.